welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today it might be Anne's favorite episode because it is our annual Halloween episode. Is this your favorite episode, Anne? Um, that's hard to say because I really love the, the year-end stuff. Yes. But other than that, yes, I think it is. Yeah. It's all creepy, spooky. Not, I mean, not my books, but Halloween in general is a favorite of yours. So I would yes. imagine oh, yeah. it's a favorite topic. Yeah, it makes me happy that we, we do it every year because it's it's my favorite time of year. So, But I like that we change it up a little bit every year, too. Yeah, we try to come at it from different ways because I don't know if you know this, Anne. People love Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing in the world. Yeah. I've had so many discussions recently about why it's exploded in the last few years. Why and do you think? Talk th- to me. I mean, part it has to be partly Instagram and I think that also it might be the rise of nerd culture and I sort of feel like nerds used to have always been into stuff like this of like when you can act out in a way and now because nerd culture is so big everyone else is doing it too okay and I don't have anything necessarily to back that up but that's just a correlation that I of the timing that seems about right. right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. It's funny to me because I have never been a big Halloween person. I just, Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved trick-or-treating and and that sort of thing. But I was never somebody who loved getting dressed up or or spent a lot of time thinking about what my costume was going to be or anything like that. So it's even more apparent, I think, to me how much people love Halloween because I don't necessarily. I mean, it's fine. I don't dislike it but it just seems to really have really really exploded and so many people love it and it turns into it's I guess I'm the way I think about it it's not just the day of Halloween I mean people treat all of October right as spooky season and talk about reading the books they're going to read and watching the movies they're going to watch and all this stuff and it's just it's interesting to me I mean it makes sense like I love Christmas I really am a Christmas person and Mm -hmm. to me it's not about the actual Christmas day. It's like about the coziness of the season. It's about right, the, right. You know, the twinkle lights and, you know, I don't know. There's just something about Christmas that I really love. So I understand why, if you love Halloween, it expands out beyond just that day to a whole feeling and a whole uh, season. But it's just interesting. It's it's really, yeah, it's just become such a big thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like it used to, like Christmas used to just be the thing everyone got excited about. And then there, it was a subset of people who were like, I kind of think I love Halloween more. Right. And then it's just flipped where people still love Christmas. It's not like Christmas is not beloved by all, but it's, it's just, it isn't, it's, the trend is, is Halloween. And yes. so I, and part of that, too, I think could be just, and again, this goes to Instagram, of people really expressing how much they love fall, generally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and, and so people even that don't love Halloween now are more, well, I love this season anyway, because I love fall so much. So it right. just, it has become such a, a big, like, it's like a personality trait. It to, is. It is. To love these things. And right. it's, it's a competition of like, or not competition, but but people will be like, "Why? How dare you? You try to bring up fall when it's still summer, and we're we're still in summer, and and respect this." And then 
everyone else that loves fall is like, no, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. And it's, I always feel kind of goofy because I, I wait for fall every year. And even as a little kid, fall was my favorite thing because I'm from Arizona. And so it was a blessing to have fall <laughs> finally arrive and to be done with. As someone who who had to deal with summer and see, it seems like I should have been wanting to have fall start earlier. I really love seasons, as we've mm-hmm. talked about on this on this uh, show before. And so I, as much as I want fall to arrive, and as much as I love it, I I just I want to love the the things that are great about summer too. Right. And once Christmas is here, I don't want to extend like I, I fall lasts until Thanksgiving to me, and so right. I don't want to extend it past that i don't want to start christmas to start before that so yeah it's it's just a very it's very interesting how people have very strong opinions about all of these things now yes and you know whatever makes you happy that's my yeah. attitude whatever yeah, it's great. brings a joy to your life uh, we just jeremy and i just talked about it we are going to put up our christmas tree early this year because we travel for christmas for mm-hmm. several weeks so if we wait until even the first weekend of december we don't get to enjoy it for very long right. and it's something i really do enjoy having in the house so we are going to put it up, I think, before Thanksgiving because we'll travel for Thanksgiving. We travel again in early December and then we travel again at Christmas. So if we really yeah. want to get some good Christmas tree time, we yeah, do need yeah. to put it up early. But yeah, generally, I would agree that I, I try not to rush into the next season and wish away the time. But um, again, whatever makes you happy, whatever brings yeah. you joy. Whatever is is your thing. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and we can start talking about our books. Before we do, I just wanted to acknowledge and uh, apologize for our sporadic recording recently. (laughs) Uh, We recognize that we have not been very consistent about recording. Very sorry about that. I actually am currently rececovering from COVID, which was an unexpected delay (laughs) for for us. And uh, there's been some travel that's happened that we couldn't plan around very easily so we do we do apologize for that unfortunately i don't know that it's going to get much better in the next couple of months but hopefully starting after the holidays we can get to be a little bit more consistent about our recording schedule so we both had covid back to back we did you had it yeah you both from visiting our sisters for their birthdays yeah Yeah, we got it the same way (laughs) no fun but i'm i was pleased to have avoided it for two and a half years and was actually hopeful that maybe I was one of those people who could avoid it forever, but <laughs> nope, it got, it caught up to me. <laughs> this is, that's exactly when you think, oh, everything's cool. I know. This is, this is fine. I was shocked. I mean, I, I think I told you, I was just stunned yeah. when I took the test and it was positive because I was so sure I was never going to yeah. get it. I Not that I was extra special or anything, thoughts. but I just I just had avoided it so many times in situations where I felt like I probably should right. have gotten it that yeah. then when I actually did and I had no particular instance of, oh, that's probably when I got it. You know, I just it yeah. just came out of nowhere kind of. So anyway, yeah, nobody it cares was... about that. Everybody has their COVID stories. <laughs> 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 OK, hit me with your first Halloween book. Okay, so this this time I picked, um, I guess we should say we just kind of went uh, general Halloween with whatever felt fun, fun to us. So I tried to structure it for myself of uh, talking about things that I read in the last year, because otherwise oh. I could just go down a very long uh, rabbit hole of okay. searching for books. So that's, that's, a, that that's was, what I did. That was a good parameter. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
Um, so the first book I'll talk about is Nothing But Black and Teeth by Cassandra Cott. And we touched on this briefly in the episode that we did about um, the reading list winners earlier this year. This is the book that won the our uh, category for horror, but I wanted to go into a little bit more depth on it. Um, so it's Asian horror, and I liked it because it's we we have tons and tons of haunted house books, and they immediately seem to bring up um, something Victorian and Gothic to readers, including me. But this is this haunted house is a thousand year old mansion in Japan, and so it hits the same notes, but it has a different setting. Uh, which I, I really enjoyed. Although having said that, Asian horror isn't anything really new in the U.S. It's just quite not as common as as uh, European based mm-hmm. things. So, um, so it was just a fun a fun difference. So this is about a group of five friends who travel to Japan to celebrate the elopement of two of their group who've married each other. Um, the bride is interested in haunted tourism, and so she wants to spend the night in this haunted mansion that's known for this story surrounding it of a bride who was abandoned by the groom before the wedding. And so she was buried alive there in the foundations to wait for him forever. And so since then, uh, young women have been sacrificed to basically be her bridesmaids throughout the years. So um so it's pretty creepy all on its own. And so the group that, that goes has known each other for years and years. They went to school together. But once they get to this house, the baggage that they all carry of their relationship um, starts to emerge. So this should be a very happy occasion, but it's immediately clear that everyone has really big issues with, with each other. So the ghost bride appears and she takes the new bride of, of the group um, to be one of her bridesmaids. And the rest of the fa- of these friends aren't just battling her, but they're also completely at odds with each other. And so it's like horror from two fronts, essentially. So it's a very, very short book. I think it's it's maybe 125 pages, mm-hmm. I want to say. I listened to it, so it's it's about four hours. And it's just very claustrophobic is the word I would use so to, to describe it. Yeah, it's super creepy. It's really densely written. And all of that um, is used to heighten the fear and dread that just saturates this book. And it's also a very malevolent ghost. It's, I guess, I guess ghosts aren't necessarily friendly, but um, they're not always out to get you and this one is out to get everyone so she's doing real harm to to all of them um so i was looking this up it's very divisive on goodreads so it's it has like a 2.5 average uh rating on it which is crazy crazy low so it seems like people either love it or hate it um i was on the i don't know that i loved it but i i was on the i really enjoyed it um side of things so maybe your mileage may vary and don't <laughs> I, come at me. <laughs> I did not like this book. Yeah, I know you did. I didn't. I didn't. It was, it's just not for me. I mean, if there were yeah. a category in the dictionary or whatever for not for Hallie, this would, I yeah. mean, from the cover, which is so horrifying. So creepy. Oh, I didn't even and, mention that. Yeah. It's, it, the way it was written was off-putting to me. I just did not like this book. However, I can recognize why other people would like it and why right. it was a good example of horror but for me no thank you i won't yeah. be won't be rereading <laughs> that one anytime soon <laughs> well and i don't I, i've listened to it and i had it sped up so much because of the committee stuff that i'm like how did it end i don't remember now i will have to yeah. maybe reread it at some point if i want yeah. to remember it but I, I will hold off for a while yeah luckily it's a short one so it would be one yeah. that you could potentially reread 
Well, in an entirely different vein, uh, my first <laughs> book is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. So first off, I feel like this book is everywhere right now. If you are on, mm-hmm. especially Bookstagram is where I see it a lot. So I apologize if you feel inundated by by references <laughs> to this book, but I'm so glad it's getting the attention it deserves because this is the kind of book that I feel like could have just flown under the radar, and I'm glad that people are finding it and reading it. So it is about Mika Moon, who is a witch, and she has spent her whole life feeling kind of alone and isolated. I think she's in her 20s or 30s at this point. She was orphaned as a child and raised by a woman who was also a witch named Primrose, who was kind of absent, just left her in the care of a bunch of nannies, was pretty controlling about Mika's life and and how she used her witchy powers and was very adamant that witches should not gather in any way because that just led to disaster, basically. And because of that, Mika feels very alone. She doesn't feel like she has a community. So she decides that just to have some sort of connection, she decides to make a YouTube channel where she pretends to be a witch on the YouTube channel (laughs) and does magic, but under this guise that it's not real magic. Although it is, (laughs) it is actual magic, but but because it's on YouTube and, and theoretically witches don't exist, it's pretend. Well, somebody reaches out to her, a viewer of her YouTube videos reaches out to her and he asks her for her help. He says, He lives in this house and he has three young witches in his charge who need training, that they are just kind of wild. Uh, He is is not magical. The other adults that live in the house aren't magical. And so they need somebody to come in and help teach these these young witches how to harness their power, basically. So Mika agrees and she goes. And when she gets there, she realizes not everyone is so excited or happy that she's there. So namely, one of the witches is not very happy that she's there. Uh, But also there is a very handsome but gruff man named Jamie, who is the house librarian. And he is not thrilled with her arrival either. Uh, So that's all I'll say. It's such a sweet, delightful book. It definitely has the same sort of found family vibes as a book like uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea, but Mm -hmm. it feels unique too. It doesn't feel just like a carbon copy of that kind of book. So it's really heartwarming. I think it's a perfect Halloween read for for people like me (laughs) who don't necessarily (laughs) go for the super creepy or the horrifying of the typical horror book, but still gives you those witchy vibes. It actually doesn't take place at Halloween. I think it takes place around Christmas, but it doesn't feel Christmassy or didn't feel Christmassy to me. The witchy part made me feel like Halloween. So that is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. I'm in a very active effort to have someone nominate that for the committee right now. (laughs) And I'm using all kinds of peer pressure (laughs) because I really want to read it. Yeah. And um, I'm not being subtle about it at all. And it, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yes, it's it's delightful. Okay, um, next is Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. And that is the author of Magic for Liars and Upright Women Wanted and The Echo Wife. 
and um, I'll note the, that they use they them pronouns um, when I talk about this book. And I really like that they do something fresh in every book. When I when I look at those three, all three are very different stories. And so I um, they're definitely all in the speculative vein, but they're drastically different. And I think that that's just very admirable of a talent. Um, and it's something I always really enjoy for, with authors. So it is about a woman named Vera who gets summoned to her childhood home from her mother. And her mother is dying and she wants Vera to go um, sort of clear everything out of this house that was built by Vera's father. And it's called Crowder House. And it has a terrible reputation because Vera's father was a serial killer. And the house is where he committed his crimes and it has become notorious in the true crime community. And it's a, a space that Vera's mother uses as a source of income. So she um, at some point had everything very carefully preserved under plastic and basically allows people to come rent it in a way while she's living there. So she'll have creative types come do residencies and it's so that they can be inspired by the crimes that took place there. And so there's a man that's living there now and it's very obnoxious to Vera that he's there, um, even though he tries to be friendly to her and, and get to know her, but he's really there to just take pieces of the house apart and um, and incorporate them into the, the artwork that he's making. So um, it's, yeah, it's just a very awkward situation. She also has a very difficult relationship with her mother um, and she idolized her father when they were growing up or when she was growing up. So it's something that she has struggled with her entire life to know what she, what she knows now is true of her father versus what it felt like growing up. And um, so it's, it's something that, that she still hasn't come to terms with and, and she probably never will, but um, she's very bothered by what this artist is doing to her childhood home. So she, begins to find pieces of paper in her father's handwriting around the house and it's like he's leaving notes for her and she starts to think that the it's the artist that's that has found some some cache of letters or something and is trying to scare her or get a response from her but then other weird things start happening and there's clearly some sort of presence in her room while she's sleeping um i think i won't i think i won't say anything more beyond that um, but I really loved that this book hits on so many horror tropes because horror really has so many entry points to it, um, depending on what you're interested in. So you have haunted houses in this one, you have serial killers, there are monsters, there's body horror, there's some other things I won't say because it would be spoilery, but it's, it's really, if you're a fan of horror, there's something for everyone in this book. And really all of this is, is getting at deep, deep, deep childhood trauma and how that's impacting or how that will impact people as adults and how um, you have to learn to live with it and the way the strategies that you you um, or the coping mechanisms mm -hmm. that you uh, come to 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 try to live with something as terrible as what happened in that house. And it is just such a good horror novel. <laughs> it's uh, very, very, very creepy and very unsettling but it was really really good and that is just like home by sarah gailey i have that or do i have that i think i have the arc of that oh i don't know that you would like i don't this. think i want to read that i do <laughs> i've liked other sarah gailey books so that yeah. was sort of why i was thinking i would read it but i don't think so um, yeah the horror like the body story. horror is something i don't really go for and so no. that was a little hard for me but it's not the entire book so it's it's kind of like i said there's a little bit for everyone oh goodness 
All right. Well, once again, to shift away. We just wanted to cover all our bases in this episode. I know. This is so funny because I had no idea what you had picked for yours. This is Yeah. My next one is The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, (laughs) which is a romantic comedy. I have actual tears in my eyes right now. My last book is a little bit creepy. I will admit that. I didn't, oh, go, okay. I okay. didn't go pure light and fun for Halloween. I did do one kind of creepy. Um, all right. So the XX. So it is a, a romantic comedy, like I said. It is about this woman who, when she was 19 years old, so her, excuse me, her name is Vivi or Vivi. I'm not sure. V-I-V-I. When she was 19 years old, she fell really hard for an exchange student at the college where she was named Reese. And she was devastated. They had this relationship. And then she was devastated when he told her, I can't be with you because I am meant to return to Wales, where I'm from. My father has arranged a marriage for me with somebody there that I have to marry her. I cannot I cannot be with you long term. So she's really hurt and, and upset. And so she and her cousin Gwyn... Uh, have a whole bunch of alcohol (laughs) and she cries a lot and they decide they're going to curse him. And so she puts a curse on on this guy, Reese, kind of doesn't think about it. I mean, she thinks about him again, but she doesn't think about the curse again. So now it's years later and they are back together in the town of this college where they were. She has stayed there and he has come back. And she notices that he seems to have a lot of mishaps. <laughs> Things keep happening to him that seem like, it, first it seems just like, well, you know, stuff happens. And then it's like, well, this might be a little bit more than a coincidence that he bad stuff keeps happening to him or he keeps messing up in these ways. And she realizes that the curse that she placed on him is still in effect and still uh, causing him trouble. So at first it's kind of funny. She thinks it's, it's a little silly and funny and, and she sort of actually feels justified in the fact that she did this. But then she, they, they realize, she and Reese both realize that the magic is causing there to be a whole bunch of problems in the town and it's just amplifying and suddenly it's growing and growing and it's going to potentially be, turn into a really huge disaster for the town if the magic is out of control this way and it's beca- becoming really, really powerful and it's going to be just pure chaos. So Reese and Vivi decide that they're going to team up to try to reset this balance and restore the balance of power uh, and magic to this town. Like they're going to redefine the ley lines around the town. Is that how you say that word? Ley? L-E-Y? I think I, I assume so. That's how I, that's how I say it in my head when I read it. Yeah. But I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say it. Anyway, and so they decide they're going to, to have to tackle this project together to make it work because it's very powerful magic. And so the more time they spend together, the more those old feelings reemerge and they start wondering if there's maybe a future there. So it's a very fun romantic comedy. It's actually the start of a series. I've, I have not read the second one yet, but her cousin Gwen, who is in this one, is the main character of the next one. Um, and it also has that Halloween witchy theme. Um, and so this is The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. It's super fun if you are like me with Halloween. This is this is the direction you go, not just like home by Sarah Cayley. <laughs> it's just it's like 
the contrast that's I know. getting me. That's I know, so me too. Funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the next book I'll talk about actually I think would appeal to you as oh. a, a okay. um, non-Halloween lover. Okay. It's The Lost Village by Camila Steen. Oh, yes. And I wanted to read, read this. this? Yes. Okay. I have not, but I wanted to. Yeah. I didn't know if you got to it last year. Um, it's it's on the edge between horror and suspense. And so that's why I think it would be a good fit for you because you love suspense novels. Right. I typically le- lean more horror when I think of this book because it's very clearly influenced by the Blair Witch Project. And that super creeps me out. Oh, yeah. But the structure is a dual narrative, which is very much more of a suspense style. So I think if I think if you're I think you'd be OK with this book. I think there's some creepy stuff in it, but I think so. So it's about a documentary filmmaker named Alice who takes a group to film some some footage of a ghost town in northern Sweden. And this is where her grandmother came from. And um, in 1959, her grandmother's family, I think her grandmother had, had um, left the town, for it, which you find out in the book but her grandmother wasn't there but the rest of her family all disappears along with everyone else in the village and no one knows what happened and alice has been fascinated by the question of of what actually happened to these people her entire life um so at the time only two people were found and both of them couldn't talk to say what had happened um one is a woman who was stoned to death and then there's also an abandoned baby who was found alive. But as she grew up, she had no memories of what of the town or what happened. So Alice is hoping that the group can camp at the site and sort of pick through the residences of these people and, because they left everything and look for clues to see what happened. But of course, the relationship with her friends is also an issue um, that sort of seems to be a thing. Um, and one member of the group is a, is her college best friend, and her name is Emmy, and Alice had a falling out with her. And so the group already is feeling tension from the isolation and creepiness of the setting that they're in. But then they're trying to put on this front of civility to each other, but but really, it's a front, and they're about to break. And so it's it's kind of coming at them from two sides. Um, and then the things start to go wrong. And so they that's that always seems to be the instigator to terrible things happening in horror novels. And they have things like their equipment is breaking down and another member of the group is injured. And as things start happening, it's very clear that they're not alone in this this town. Um, I will say some of the premise of the book is very contrived, mm-hmm. but um, so you ha- kind of have to uh, stretch your credulity a little mm-hmm. bit, I would say. Um, but I thought it was really, really fun. I read it over a year ago, and I still can very clearly remember certain scenes that were super spooky to me. And so I obviously enjoyed it, and I think that it would work for a lot of readers who want something that's scary but not terrifying. Yeah, that Halloween. sounds like my speed for sure. Yeah, I think I think you would have you wouldn't have any problems with this, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's along the same level of spookiness as plenty of other um mysteries and Mm -hmm. thrillers that you've read so um it's a translated book and that's always kind of fun to to read for genre fiction and i really liked it and it's the lost village by camilla steen i think i may have kept my copy of that from last year i'll have to go see if i have that because it sounds good yeah it's fun my last one is the book of cold cases by simone saint james and The main character of this is Shay Collins. She is a true crime enthusiast and her main hobby and really her her main 
purpose, I would say, is maintaining a blog that's called The Book of Cold Cases, where she researches and writes about crimes that have never been solved. And the reason I say purpose is because she has kind of a dead-end job. She doesn't seem very interested in personal relationships outside of she has a sister that she's close to. Uh, but, but beyond that, it's like this is her whole life is true crime and, and learning about these cases. And one day she's at this job that she has. She works at the front desk of a doctor's office. And there's a woman in the waiting room that looks kind of familiar to her. And she learns the woman's name and realizes that this is a person who was accused and acquitted of killing two men in the 70s. And at the time, a female serial killer was just not a thing at all. I mean, it still kind of isn't, I guess. But especially in the 70s, it was very unusual that a woman would kill seeming stra- people who were seemingly strangers to her just in cold blood. So this woman has always had this air of mystery around her. She She's a little bit cold, though no pun intended with the title of the book, but the the woman. So so she didn't come across as a particularly sympathetic person. So even though she was acquitted, there's still a lot of questions that people have about her and whether or not she did it. So Shay is intrigued that this woman, who's kind of a recluse, has now come into her life and, and asks her if she could potentially interview her to get information for her blog. And the woman agrees. And so Shay goes to her house. This woman still lives in the house that she was raised in that was her parents' house. And Shay goes over there for the interview, and the house is the exact same as when this woman's parents lived there. It has not been changed in, like, 40, 50 years. So it's creepy to begin with. Like, that's odd. And this woman lives all by herself. And, again, she doesn't – she's kind of a recluse. She doesn't have many connections in the the world. And – so Shay is very excited, but also sort of wondering what what the deal is with this woman. Is she did she kill these people um, all these years ago? Why has she been living still in that same house in the same town where all this happened? There are just a lot of questions. And so then when she goes for the interview, weird things happen in the house. Like they are nowhere near a bathroom, and all of a sudden the faucet turns on in the bathroom, and and Ooh. all these strange things happen. So. It's a creepy book, but it's just, I mean, it's well established now, even if this is the very first episode you've ever listened to. It's very well established. I don't do super scary or super gory. This just threads that needle perfectly where it's suspenseful and you know there's something a little bit creepy, maybe supernatural going on, but at the same time, maybe not. Maybe it's something that is human created, you know, it's a, it's just somebody messing with her. Um, and so it was, a, it has a really good, creepy atmosphere, a little bit of suspense and nothing too scary, nothing that's going to keep you up at night, I don't think. Um, and I actually, I've, I've read all of Simone St. James books. I would recommend any of them. They are all very much in that same realm yeah. of, of creepy with a little bit of, lots of times it's sort of ghostly related in right, some ways. Right. Often somebody who has died um, has some sort of connection. Somebody living now has connection to somebody who has died or something like that. Um, so that is The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. I think this is, from what you're saying, this would be the exact, and, and comparing to other books, I, I think this is the same level as The Lost Village. Yes, so I think you'd it be sounded like it, yeah. Totally yeah. okay. All right, well, this is fun. Halloween from many different (laughs) angles. 
<laughs> okay, we will be right back with what we're reading this week. actually finished it earlier this week. It's a book called Wake by Shelley Burr. And I absolutely could not put it down. And so I knew I had to talk about it today. It is set in rural Australia. So this would be a great pick for people who loved The Dry by um, uh, Jane Harper or Crimson Lake by Candace Fox. It, it to me fits right in that same wheelhouse. It is set in a town called Nanin and it's famous or in the the book. It's famous for a cold case that that happened in 1999 when a girl named Evelyn McCreary disappeared from her bed while her twin sister Mina slept next to her and she was never found and there was a lot of speculation that her wealthy parents could have killed her or that Mina herself um, did something to her because Evelyn was a blonde kind of pageanty kid and her um, their mother Beverly really doted on her while Mina was dark haired and kind of sullen and didn't talk to people and just sort of opposite twins. So that's actually where the title comes from. It's supposed to be an acronym that was used in the online true crime forums um, about the case that it, it stands for Wednesday Adams killed Evie, which that's what the media was calling Mina based on her look in the photos mm. at the time. So Mina is now an adult and she still lives on the family property and and sort of takes care of everything while her father is traveling. And um, Beverly had spent years courting the media and writing books and giving interviews about the case to try to get Evelyn back. But she has died in the years um, in a few years before. Mina isolates herself completely until an investigator named Blake named Lane Holland shows up and he specializes in cold cases involving missing girls and he has had a lot of success with it and actually is able to live off the reward money that he collects for for solving these cases and so this is just such a huge case that he wants the opportunity to investigate and really believes that he's the person that can solve it and that he can get this several million dollar reward um, afterward but he isn't telling Mina or anyone else in the, the town that he has a connection to the, the case and a personal connection to the area. And there's a reason why he is the only one that will be able to do what the police couldn't and why this this work of, of finding these missing girls is something that's so important to him. And I'm not going to say any more because you need to find out those things, but mm-hmm. it was just so compelling. I lost so much sleep on... Monday night because I only had a hundred pages left and I was determined I was going to finish it and I was so tired <laughs> I had to find out what happened um so so the plot is just really great I will say that that Jane Harper and Candace Fox are really well known for evoking the landscape mm-hmm. um in pretty remarkable ways and I don't think that this is quite as good at, at that as those books are but um that's it's a factor in the book it's just it's not as good okay. but the the plot I thought I thought was up there with with what they have written in their books so um i really enjoyed it and we were talking about why australian books are so good because they're so good they're so good there's so, yeah. so many so yes you told me about that you were reading this book that was really good and i said that a few years ago i mean it's been a little while now but when i was reading more teen books i remember reading a few different novels by australian authors and thinking they were especially good at both the se- the sense of place, like you said, the Australian right. 
set, like there's just something about the way they write, but they were really good at the characters, at writing characters that felt like real people, that yeah. felt not not just these two-dimensional you know made up traits that somebody threw together like they I don't know there was just something about the way that they would tell a story and there was always at least with these teen books sort of this bittersweet sense to them that uh, felt unique in that landscape at the time of a lot of the teen books that I was reading Uh, it was like Melina Marchetto was one and oh I'm blanking Christy Eager was one and I just Mm -hmm. remember thinking at the time that there was something really special about these Australian novels that I was reading and then when so when you said that I thought that's true a lot of now some thrillers that I've read that are Australian I love Kate Morton who's Australian Mm -hmm. like there's just there's something about Australian writers that I think they really I don't know they hit the nail on the head with their characters especially I think yeah because I I even was thinking of if this had been set in the west would it have felt the same way and and I don't know what it is that would that's the difference mm-hmm. because it would also I mean, maybe it is just how vast the outback is. Maybe. Whereas the West is is vast, but it feels a little bit more populated. Um, I wonder, at least to me because maybe that's where I'm from there, and right, so it doesn't right. feel like as desolate to me. I don't know. I do wonder as we're talking. I'm thinking. I wonder if Australians have a strong storytelling culture where mm-hmm. they pass down stories or that's like a, a some uh, you know a part of the fabric that's sort of like I think of Irish people like that like right. the, that they right. have a, a strong storytelling culture and I wonder if that's part of it that there's something that it's just ingrained in how they think about the world that they think of the story behind it maybe a little bit yeah. as well as how the environment impacts yeah. the people and what happens there because it's such a it's so such an extreme place, I think, with weather. Right. And I mean, there's that Bill Bryson book that um, in a sunburned country where he talks about how many things in Australia can kill you. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I just think that might be part of it. I don't know. It's interesting. I, wa- I really want to read this book after you told me about it. I put it on hold at the library. Oh, good. I'm yeah, excited I think, to read I think it. it's fun. Um, Australian listeners. Yes. Do we have any Australian listeners? That's a good question. I feel like in the stats, it always shows Australia as as being represented, but I don't know that we've ever heard from any of them. Yes. If If you're from Australia. You tell us why you're such good writers. And tell us why your books are so good. Why are your books so good? And who we should be reading. That's 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 the other thing I would love to know. Yeah. Okay, so what I also read this week, I just finished it yesterday, uh, We Were Never Here by Andrea Bartz. So I don't know if I ever shared on this podcast. I'm sure I did when we talked about at the beginning of the year resolutions. I put aside at the very beginning of January 22 books I wanted to read in 2022. It was something I saw somebody else do on Instagram, and I loved that idea. So And, I, and they were books that I owned, books that were sitting on my shelf, and they were all physical books. And so I pulled them off the shelf and and put them all together so that I could see them. And these were the 22 books I was going to try to read in 2022. So this is one of them. And it's hilarious because I picked it up and I thought, I have no clue why this ended up on my 22 <laughs> to read in 2022 shelf. I don't know if I was just trying to get a mix of genres and I wanted something that was a thriller. I, I Clearly, it was notable to me at the time to pull it, but I have no idea why. So that's just a little preface of, of how this book came into my life. Uh, I think we received it 
I mean, I had a physical copy, so I'm guessing we received it for reading list, and I never had read it for that, so now I read it now. <laughs> so it is about, uh, it opens with two best friends, Emily and Kristen, who are on vacation together in Chile. And it's clear that they have a long history together. They are college, they were college best friends. And now one of them, uh, Kristen lives in Australia, speaking of Australia, and mm-hmm. Emily lives in Wisconsin, I believe, which is where um, she is from, like a that's not where they went to college. They went to college in Chicago at, at uh, Northwestern. But anyway, and so the only time they see each other anymore is a, on these annual trips that they take. And they go to all different countries and they get, try to have these big adventures and experience different things. So what you immediately learn is something happened on their vacation last year that was pretty intense and traumatic. And they are still kind of resolving what that was. But now they're at the end of their trip in Chile and they are, they've been having a really nice time. And right at the very end of their trip, something very similar to this dramatic thing that had happened the previous year happens again. And so it's sort of like, why does this keep happening to them? It involves, I'll say, it's, it involves sexual assault. And so, and then what happened, what they, what they do to their attacker after a sexual assault. So Emily is the one from Wisconsin. She returns home and she is very shaken by this whole experience. She was extremely shaken by the, the experience that happened the year before. Now it's happened again. She has all these questions in her head of, how could this possibly have happened twice? She feels like the roles kind of were reversed of, of who this happened to. Um, and so she feels like she needs to be there for her best friend. And she's just kind of a mess about it. But her best friend seems fine, <laughs> seems completely unconcerned about what happened, doesn't seem to be bothered or, or like she's reflecting on this at all, which, which feels kind of odd to Emily. And then the next thing you know, her best friend shows up on her doorstep in Wisconsin or wherever she lives and says that she's fired from her job and she's going to live there for a little while. She's going to come stay there for a little while. And so the whole thing is just like, what is happening? (laughs) What is happening here with these two women? Are, is this a toxic friendship? What is, what is going on? So it is, it is a pretty dark book. I will say that lots of trigger warnings for um, lots of things. Uh, so if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, you might want to do a little research before you pick up this book to see if it would be something you wouldn't enjoy. But I found it to be very compelling. It's kind of a slow burn because it starts out and you're you're in Chile with them and you're learning about what happened a year ago, then what's happening currently in Chile. And as the book goes along, it just gets more and more intense. And so it's not it's not particularly like fast paced I wouldn't say but yet the way it builds just makes you want to find out what happens next it's like wait how is this gonna how is this gonna end up like how what's gonna happen what how is this all going to turn out between these two women and then and what are the ramifications of these things that happened um, on these two trips and is it going to catch up to them so um, 
I thought it was fascinating. Like you said, not quite as much as the Cassandra Caw book, but it does seem like this is a little bit divisive on Goodreads. Like people seem to think it's excellent and like a really good thriller and some people don't. Uh, so hmm. I, again, like you might want to read some reviews before you read it, but I found it really fascinating. It's We Were Never Here by Andrea Bartz. That does sound really good. Yeah, it just, yeah, it felt... It felt different, too, to me. Not like a yeah. thriller I've read a million times. Not that I have anything against the books I've read a million times, because I still <laughs> pick them up and I find them entertaining. But this just felt a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go back and uh, list off all the books we talked about today. Okay, I talked about Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw, Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey, The Lost Village by Camilla Steen, and what I'm reading this week is Wake by Shelley Burr. And I talked about The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana, The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James, and what I read this week was We Were Never Here by Andrea Bartz. If you would like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. It really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. And thank you all for listening and happy reading. And happy Halloween! Halloween. <laughs>